0: For anyone that doesn't know me, my name is Grant Cavan, and I'm the official troublemaker of the church. <laughs> and if you don't believe me, ask my friend Sylvia. Um, at this time, I'd like to ask the ushers to come forward to collect the offering. This is a time when we, as a church, worship God through giving of uh, of our financial resources, which helps to support the the ongoing ministries of the church. So, please, uh, if a member we ask you to contribute if you're a guest don't feel as though you're any any obligation to give um, just enjoy the service so if the ushers could collect that and at this time i would like to ask sherry arthur's to come up sherry has just returned from honduras and she is going to give us a little report on what they've done there
1: Serving God in Honduras with Water Ambassadors Canada was a wonderful experience. We know God answered your prayers, and he answered our prayers too for health and safety. But what was really exciting was how God used our team as answers to their prayers. Not once, but many times during the week we were there. And I just wanna share three examples with you. Most of the wells we repaired hadn't been working for like 15 years. So that means that the kids that gathered around while we were working on them had never seen water coming out of the wells. They had heard their families praying for someone to come and fix them, but they had never seen the water flow. Instead, the communities had to find alternate sources of water. Like this culvert, you see the one lady at the top washing Her clothes, and at the bottom another lady is washing dishes. It's no wonder there's so much sickness there. And then we showed up. Before the team started working, we would pray for guidance and uh, wisdom. We pulled up the old metal pipes and replaced them with new PVC pipes, added a new pump, cleaned up the landscape around so that the water would drain away, And within a matter of hours, the community had a clean source of water again. This is one lady that we met while we were there. She's a teacher, the lady on the left. But unfortunately, the school closed because the well in front of the school had stopped working. So what happened was all the kids had to go to another school further away. And this lady was out of a job, so she became the village midwife. It wasn't the job she wanted or had been trained for. <clears throat> we were able to fix that well, and with a working well, then the kids can come back to school there, and the teacher will have a job again. So that was really exciting to be able to do that. And then one day, we visited a market, and we bought rice, beans, flour, spaghetti, and some other food with some money we had been given for such a purpose. We delivered the food to a school that feeds 130 kids every single day. It's a faith-based program, and they never know where the food is coming from. They just pray and leave it up to God. Until we showed up on that day on Thursday, they didn't have enough rice the following week. We were their miracle, and that was a real humbling experience for us. At the school, we were also able to spend time with the kids, coloring, handing out stickers, painting fingernails, and playing soccer. But one of the greatest privileges we had there was praying with the people, whether going on prayer walks or having praying with the people who came to the well repairs. If you'd like to know more about Water Ambassadors Canada or our trip, just ask Paul, Frieza, Tom, or myself. Um, and just to let you know, there were more people on the trip than just the four of us, but I thought I'd just show the pictures of the four people from Richview. And to thank you for your prayers and individual support, we hope to hold a Thank you, Night sometime in November, and we'll have videos and presentations and more details to come as the day gets closer. Thank you.
0: If you could uh, just join me now to, to pray for the group that went. Father, we come before you. And as we hear of stories of answered prayer, we thank and we praise you for this, for you are mighty you reach around the world and there is no mountain you cannot overcome and we thank you lord that through this group you were able to answer the prayers of those down there we pray father that you would also touch the hearts the minds and souls of each participant that went i pray that through that experience they would come to know you in a greater and better way that they would enter into a deeper relationship with you And as the people that were the recipients of their effort, I pray that this would not just be about the water that they drink or the food that they eat, but that this would be a testimony to them to see how you answer prayer, that they too would come to know you better. For we pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
2: Good morning. Now it's the great moment of truth. Does it work? (laughs) Things always supposed to work, but they often don't. Um, Let me open in prayer, and then we'll get going. Lord, I thank you so much for your presence, for your promises, and that this is your church, and that you are working in us. Lord, I pray that you'll... Be with us this morning as we look at your word. Help us to hear, and not just hear, but to obey. And that you would be in our lives this day and going forward. Amen. So, new year, well, new school year, and of course, those of us in school, that's sort of like, that's the new year. So it's a new year, it's kickoff Sunday, it's an exciting time, like, you know, sort of the sunrise of the year. Um, it was a year ago, on kickoff Sunday, that Pastor Joe um, remind us, reminded us of, reminded us of, I wonder if I had too much coffee. I think that's probably an oxymoron, but who knows. Okay, reminded us of the purpose of our church, that we be a church- which is joyfully leading others into a growing relationship with Jesus. And then this year happened. And it's been a tough year. Tougher than I think any of us expected. And but we're still here. And our purpose is still to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus. And we know this is God's church, not ours. You know, sometimes it can be confusing looking at this and knowing is this a sunrise or a sunset? And we need to keep reminding ourselves that this is a sunrise. And even though it feels like the church around us is shrinking, it is God's church and he is with us. So what do we do? How do we how do we start anew? How do we grow? How do we build? the church God wants us to be, how to become a great church. Now, there's certainly no end of advice. Here's just the first page on the Amazon bestsellers in Christian church growth. There are over 10,000 different titles in that category. So, there is plenty of advice on how we can become a stronger and a healthier church. And I bet many of these books are really great. So, as a board and as a church and as leadership we've we've been looking and trying to understand how are effective churches doing it well one thing of course a lot of the churches that are doing well have a real focus on quality music and worship here's an example of one of the you know sort of the what's the word the um the benchmark example this is one of the Hillsong churches, they have over 40,000 people worshiping every Sunday and uh, with a a church based on quality, excellent music that reaches people's hearts and brings them to the Lord. And so we wanna make a focus on music, it's important. Um, Some of the greatest churches have really great preaching. Now, of course, really great preaching looks different to different people. Some people think Andy Stanley's the best and some people think Andy Stanley is not. But the point (laughs) is that great churches have really great cheap preaching. We're going to make this a priority. We have to. What else? Well, community groups, small groups, important way of us getting together and and worshiping God, um, that's got to continue to be a priority for us. Perhaps facilities that really show people where our hearts are, a good kids kids program, a good you know, renovating our foyer. Maybe these are things that are important for us to do. That you know, churches that are not shriveling have invested in these areas. So we're we're, we're considering these things. These are important, but these are not fundamental. This is not how to be a great church. These are not the foundation because advice along these lines in the past might have been very 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 different. I mean there's a time when I mean how can you be a church parish without a monastery? How else are people going to be able to come and really devote their lives to the knowledge of God? Or I mean a great cathedral is the thing that you can do that will over the centuries continue to bring glory to God the creator. And so we have buildings like Saint Paul's in London and if you ever have a chance to visit there, it declares the glory of God. But that's not really the path to greatness now. Or, I mean, if you want to communicate to people who are literate the glory of God, you've got to use the newest technology in stained glass windows. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. It's funny, but this was important. How can you be a church? How can you communicate the gospel without something like this, and this is going to bring people in, maybe it's not important today. Or organs, stunning instruments, music that people had never heard before, and now we have these, this incredible technology. An organ is what's going to bring people, or even I remember the day even in my lifetime when the Easter cantata at the church was the highlight of the year, and people from the community would come. But today, I don't think people are going to come to hear a cantata. So any of these advices are temporary. It's now, and it's debatable, and it isn't fundamental, and it's not the path to greatness, no matter which way we go in any of these decisions. So we want to look to e- for eternal and authoritative advice. What is the path to greatness for a church? So you know, as as I've been reading the New Testament over the years, a couple verses popped out to me. The first one here on the left is by Simon Peter, um, you know, his his, his mini uh, resume, a disciple of Jesus, an apostle and a church leader. He says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Ooh, I like that. I would love to be kept from being ineffective and unproductive because sometimes it feels that's kind of what we do. How can we keep from being ineffective and unproductive? Or Apostle Paul, another apostle, um, author, wrote most of the New Testament, missionary. He wrote... Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Ooh, yeah. Rather than being that dusty church in the corner, we'll shine like stars in the sky. Now, it's interesting that both of these men wrote their letters to the churches while they were in prison on capital charges, in this case, proselytization, facing death. Both of them in, the, in these letters talked about the fact that their death was imminent. These are men whose childhood dreams, whose dreams as a young men, had been thoroughly and completely dashed. Their dream was that Israel would be restored as a nation, that the Romans would be kicked out, and that God would once again reign on earth as he, as, as he had in the time of David. Instead, they're in prison— And in a few short years, uh, within within a decade of their deaths, Jerusalem was razed to the ground and the whole operation destroyed. And yet they could write these things. If you possess these qualities, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. And in fact, they turn their lives to Christ and to the church, and the church, instead of dissipating, and dying, like Rome eventually did, grew to fill the whole earth. So what is attached to these promises? How can we keep from being ineffective and unproductive? How can we shine like stars in the sky? So I'm, I want us to do something which is a bit unusual these days, um, but I want to do it because I want us to pay extra attention to what we're about to read. So I would like you to stand for the reading of the word. Unless you can't. (laughs) These are the words of Peter, apostle of Christ, and an eyewitness to the resurrection. Speaking of God, Peter writes, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him called us by his own glory and goodness through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires for this very reason make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can, you can sit. How do we become great? How do we put this phrase here? Participate in the divine nature. What is what is that all about? Participate in the divine nature. Now, we have to go back and look at the context that Peter was writing this in. He was writing in the time of the Caesars, um, in the actually the time of Caesar Nero. Um, This is a time of the imperial cult of Rome. So after his triumphal return to Rome, um, after his great conquests, um, he came in, uh, Julius Caesar came into Rome uh, in a huge parade called a triumph, where he was celebrated, and he allowed himself, as he took over the nation, to be declared a god. And I say, allowed himself. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then after he was was murdered, assassinated, executed, each emperor in turn was granted that honor of a god. Temples were built in their name. Rituals were done to honor them. They declared themselves divine. So is this concept in Paul's mind when he's saying that we can share in the divine nature? Maybe, but not. Not because with these men's great power came great evil. Their power was based on conquest, their wealth on looting the nations around them, the taking of slaves. And if you have the mispleasure of um, reading about the private lives of these emperors, the tales of adultery, incest, and pedophilia. And most of these men retired by assassination. participating in the divine nature, we can do it Caesar's way. By conquest, by our position, and by our own great deeds. But this is a path that leads to death. What does Peter have to say about it? He says, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. How do we participate in the divine nature? Through God's very great and precious promises. What are they? What are his great and precious promises? Christ made many promises to us. He promises us in Matthew six fourteen that if we forgive others their sins, our sins will be forgiven. He promises us, In John 14, 26. That the Holy Spirit will come on us and teach us all things. We are not alone. In John chapter 1, verse 12, is the promise that to those who believe in Christ, he gave the right to become children of God, heirs of the creator. He promised that he's gone to prepare a place for us in heaven. He promised... That the church will be victorious and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And he promised that whoever believes in him will not die but will have eternal life. These are the promises of Christ and it is by these promises that we can participate in the divine nature. And so we're left with the contrast. Caesar's way... Conquest, position, and our own great deeds, or the way of Jesus through his great and precious promises. And it's so easy to fall into Caesar's way. It's so easy to say, we're going to sh- 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 participate in the divine nature by great programs and by great music, and by great facilities, and by great messages, and by great community group guides, by our own great deeds. That is not how we participate in the divine nature. Not to say that those things are not good and important, but we participate in the divine nature because of the great and precious promises of Christ. And that has to be our focus as a church. That is how we become great. So, Paul says, in love, he predestined us through adoption to sonship, according to Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure, in accordance with his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. God called us. God God declared us his children and heirs. So, are we done? It seems like it. Right? We're done. Except Paul and Peter don't leave it there. Paul says in his letter, uh, Peter says in his letter, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Or Paul says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This doesn't sound passive. And these these concepts continue through the New Testament. The writer of the Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, and the sin so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. The race marked out before us. Or later in the book of Philippians, Paul says again, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on to win the prize for which, Christ, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So how are we pressing forward? What is he calling us to do? What is this thing we're supposed to be making every effort? Let's go back to our passage in 1 Peter. Peter says, because of the promises, because we can share in the divine nature, for this very reason, make every effort effort. To do what? To add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. Because if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive In your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that is a big list. And every time I read it, it kind of glazes past. Make every effort to add to your faith. Faith that found is that foundation of what we are and who we are. The belief in the trust of in Christ. I am convinced that Christ rose from the dead. I am convinced that he died for my sins, that that through him and only through him I can have life. And that faith, that trust, is the foundation of everything we are. But we need to add to our faith goodness. Now this is a word that has kind of fallen on hard times in our modern culture. In fact, you might even wonder, what in the heck does goodness mean? Right? Like, Pilate said, what is truth? Today, people might say, what is good? The concept here of goodness is the concept of moral purity. Sexual, financial, personal, integrity, honesty. Add to your faith goodness. Live in a way that's honoring to God. Goodness, it's hard to continue. To our goodness, knowledge. Knowledge. Knowledge of Christ. Knowledge of the Scriptures. Knowledge of who God is and what He's called us to. Make every effort to add knowledge. What does that look like? Studying the Scriptures. Meeting with other people. Talking about the Lord making every effort to grow in knowledge, without this we will become ineffective and unproductive. We must add to our goodness knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. Hmm. That discipline, that uh, concept of a disciplined life. To do what you know you need to do and not to do the thing you want to do. And that takes on so many different forms for every one of us. Maybe it's watching one more episode of whatever it is, or maybe it's having a breakfast that's bigger than you really should have, or the extra pot of coffee. <coughs> um. <laughs> self-control. Make every effort to add to your knowledge self-control, and self-control, perseverance, keep going. Here we are, and things are looking rough. Add to your self-control perseverance to keep going, to keep serving him. Make every effort to add to your self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness. And here is another one of those words that we don't know what they mean. What is godliness? The Greek word is eusebia. I can't pronounce ancient Greek. Um, The concept here is reverence, respect, and piety. That we do as much as we used to, right? It comes back to the Lord's Prayer at the beginning where Jesus tells us to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's that concept of having a fear of the Lord, a respect for Him. Not casual, but a respect for God as the Almighty Creator. Make every effort to add to your perseverance godliness, respect, piety. And to godliness, mutual affection. This is, the the Greek word here is Philadelphia, brotherly love. It's the love that we have for people who we are working with, with, for our partners, for our friends. It's the love I have for the other men on the board the other men in church leadership, the love I have for people who I'm striving together with. This is critical. We cannot have a church if we do not love each other. Make every effort to add to your piety and your reverence the love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Foundational. We cannot continue without it. And then adding to mutual affection, love agape this is the love that paul defines in first corinthians where he says love is patient love is kind does not envy it does not boast it's not proud does not dishonor others it's not self-seeking it's not easily angered it keeps no record of wrongs does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth it always protects always trusts always hopes Always perseveres. This is the love that we have, the undeserving love that we have for others that Christ has for us. Make every effort to add to your love for your brothers a love, an undeserved love for everyone. Because if you possess these qualities, In increasing measure. If we're making every effort to add to them. Then they will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive. In our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But. Whoever does not have them. Is nearsighted and blind. Forgetting that they have been cleansed from past sins. If I'm not loving my brother, am I not forgetting that Christ loved me? Am I not forgetting what Christ has done for me? If we are not growing in these things daily, we have forgotten what Christ has done for us. In, the, in our parallel passage in the book of Philippians, Paul talks about it this way. He says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, Value others above yourselves. Not only looking to your own interests, but each of you also to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the picture of how we share in the divine nature. How we participated in the divine nature. By being like Christ. By he, having his attitude. Be, by being overcome by love. For the father and for each other. And so Paul continues. As we've already read. Continue to work out your salvation. With fear. And trembling. We work out our salvation by growing in faith. Godliness, knowledge of him, self-control, perseverance, goodness, and love. But how can I do that? How can I do that? How can you do that? I know myself and I know you. We are filled with evil desires. How can I work out my salvation? How can I be grow in these things? Paul has the answer. He says, it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. It is God who works in this church to will and to act in order to fulfill his good pur- purpose. I can make every effort to add to my faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge, and knowledge, self-control, and self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, love. I can do that because of Christ working in me. And without that, I cannot. And so, where do we go from this? Paul continues, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and and pure. When I not out of selfish ambition, but for someone else. I can't grumble about it. <laughs> can't complain. In this way, we become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and warped and crooked generation. Don't be deceived. We know this: the generation we lived in, live in, like the generation Paul lived in, is warped and crooked if we do these things, we will shine among them like stars in the sky as we hold firmly to the word of life. We can become a great church. We can participate in the divine nature. We can escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. And we can do this because the Spirit of God working on us, changing our will, changing our actions. And because he gives us this will, we can and we must make every effort today, this year, and for the rest of our lives, make every effort to grow in faith, to grow in goodness, to grow in knowledge of him, to grow in self-control, to grow in perseverance, to grow in godliness, and to grow in love. Because if we do these things, we will never stumble. And we will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, (laughs) we thank you for who you are. for what you've done. And we are astonished that you would allow us to participate in the divine nature. That you would work in us to change us. Lord, I pray that we would make every effort to grow in you so that we would be kept from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of you. Lord, I pray that you will bless this church and bless our lives as we go forward. Thank you that you promised to keep us from stumbling. Amen.